Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A quiz of ice and fire. Hello there, listeners. Thanks for tuning in today for another Quiz of Ice and Fire. I'm Lady Guinevere, and today I'm bringing you our 19th quiz. And as always, thanks to our generous patrons for their continued support, which unlocked this bonus feature for everyone. And speaking of patrons, I want to mention that our supporters on Patreon have access to two exclusive episodes now, one all about the Arthurian influences in A Song of Ice and Fire, and another on the Veramir prologue. So head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash radioestros to find out how you can join us and gain access to those episodes among the other perks of being a supporter. And now I'm happy to welcome our guest host for this episode, Mikhail Schick of Vassals of Kingsgrave and Hypable, also known as Ink is Rain on Twitter. Welcome to Radio Estros, Mikhail, and thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. And by the way, I'm a big fan of the Arthurian Legends influence uh, episode. It's a lot of fun. Oh, thanks so much. Uh, That is a subject near and dear to my heart, and I'm really glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I took a a course in college about Arthurian Legends, and it was very much like, oh, yeah, Tintagel. Oh, yeah, the Sword Bridge. Oh, yeah, all this stuff. It was really great. Oh, yeah. And since you mentioned Tintagel, I uh, had an opportunity to visit there a few years ago with Yoke Boy. And my word, what a great trip that was. Highly recommend it to anyone who finds themselves in Cornwall. It's a great opportunity to kind of immerse yourself in that Arthurian atmosphere in an incredibly beautiful place. Okay, so now how about if you tell us all about Vassals of Kingsgrave and what uh, you all are up to? Well, we are, as always, kind of churning out episodes on basically any possible topic you can uh, imagine. Um, We have our um, ongoing linear Song of Ice and Fire reread, which is moving into, I think it's final stages. And we're we're finishing up the combined, obviously, Feast and Dance reread. And um, I haven't been on a ton of those episodes, but they are, I highly recommend listening to them because they're a really cool um, look at the way the series works chronologically and the way different chapters kind of contrast with each other um, outside of, of the way George like artistically put them. Um, so I really uh, recommend that reread. And we also basically talk about anything else we want. So like Stranger Things and we have an episode about Con of Thrones, which will be coming up when I edit it. Um, and uh, yeah, really all kinds of topics. 
Uh, yeah, I am a big fan of timeline and um, kind of looking at how certain things line up together. Um, like you said, not necessarily in the way they're ordered in the books, but uh, things that are happening concurrently. Uh, so I highly recommend that as well. Yeah, it's really cool which themes kind of come out. I've, I've When I've been on, there have been a couple of times where I'm like, wow, these chapters are not not parallel or not, you know, concurrent, but they really are all talking about the same thing. And it's just, yeah, another really cool way to appreciate that George is way smarter than all of us. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that sort of thing really just shows how much effort is put into the thought, you know, of all these various point of view characters and um, how really difficult it is for him to write these books with so many different threads. And uh, as a bonus, listening to Vassals of King's Grave, it's a really cool group of people too. And as you said, making forays into other areas of uh, sort of nerd culture, which um, something that we can all share with our friends and such. So I want to mention that this is the first time you have been on Radio Westeros, uh, but we did work together in the past on History of Westeros uh, Game of Thrones reviews. And most recently, you lent us your vocal talents for a number of episodes, most notably for our Dunkin' Egg series, where you voiced Egg for us. And it was really, truly amazing. Oh, thank you. I had so much fun reading that little shit. (laughs) Well, you did a really wonderful job kind of bringing him to life. And for you listeners, in case you haven't listened to our series on Dunkin' Egg yet, we have a little clip here of Egg, a.k.a. Mikhail. I was supposed to squire for Darren. He's my oldest brother. I learned everything I had to learn to be a good squire, but Darren isn't a very good knight. He didn't want to ride on the tourney, so after we left Summerhall, he stole away from our escort. Only instead of doubling back, he went straight on toward Ashford, thinking they'd never look for us that way. It was him shaved my head. He knew my father would send men hunting us. Darren has common hair, sort of a pale brown, nothing special. But mine is like Arian's and my father's. So there you have it. Uh, Our egg uh, really added so much to that episode. So uh, thank you. And again, I really do recommend checking it out uh, for just all the volume of vocal talent that we had uh, helping us out on those episodes. (laughs) And also the amazing insight, especially the Rohane Weber stuff, because I was like, what? Really? Well, yeah, those stories are just so much fun to analyze. And talking about timeline, they were a great opportunity from a meta perspective to kind of look at the timeline of how they were written uh, in conjunction with the Song of Ice and Fire series proper and how George was developing certain backstories and themes as he went. It was really a great, great experience uh, to make that analysis. And, you know, we just love Duncan Egg. Who doesn't? And now it's time we got started with this quiz. If you folks are keeping score, now's the time to get your pen and paper or however you keep track ready to go. We've got 15 questions and today's topic, which goes along with the episode we've most recently released, is the Game of Thrones prologue. So all the answers are related, 
to the Will chapter. So let's get ready to see how many you can score. Remember, we'd love to hear your scores across social media, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and so on. Let us know how you did. And so let's get started. As usual, we let the guests go first. So over to you, Mikhail, for question one. Okay, question one. Which experienced member of the Night's Watch Rangers has truly suffered from cold? He is past 50 and has lost both ears, three toes, and the little finger of his left hand to the cold. Okay, so a member of the Night's Watch who's lost his ears and a few digits to frostbite. Question two. When Waymar Royce finds an impressive inner courage during his duel with the other, whose name does he shout aloud as part of his battle cry? Question three. What item at the Wildling camp is still present when Will returns to the mysterious scene, causing deep suspicion and fear in the ranger? Yeah, okay, so a specific object which uh, leads Will to determine that there is something very wrong going on. I mean, amongst other things that are going on in the chapter. Question four is, in what forest north of the wall does the A Game of Thrones prologue take place? I'll, I'll save my comment for, uh, <laughs> for when we do the answer. <laughs> uh, question five. Will was sent to the Night's Watch for poaching rather than lose a hand. He was caught and given this choice after free riders from which house accosted him? Yeah, okay, so Will, like so many other members of the Night's Watch, is there because he was given a choice between two types of punishment, if you will. Question six is, what color is used to describe the blade that the other uses to defeat Sir Waymar? Question seven. Which maester is mentioned in the Game of Thrones prologue? Okay, folks, so only one maester is mentioned in the Game of Thrones prologue. We don't even know what a maester is at this point. This could be the softball question of the quiz. It might be. (laughs) That is true, so hopefully y'all get this one right. Now, question eight has to do with the others. Will hears them in communication with one another. How does he, in his point of view, describe the sound of their talking? It's not uncreepy, that's for sure. Question nine. Which of the prologue characters rides a black destrier? Yeah, and this is mentioned uh, several times. It's part of the uh, characterization of this person. So uh, let us know who you think that is. Question 10. In his duel against the other, Waymar fights bravely until his sword shatters from the cold of the other's blade. A shard of shrapnel from his sword injures him somewhere on his body. Wherever did that stray shard embed itself? Again, totally not creepy. Not scary. Very chill. Just like the rest of the prologue. It's all very chill. Yeah, you know, I think we might be on to (laughs) something. There's definitely a theme running through this prologue. (laughs) 
Question 11. Which character met Waymar and co. off-page earlier on the same ranging scene in the prologue? He felt slighted that the Lordling passed the opportunity to sleep under his roof. Yeah, okay, for this one, you might have to reach forward into uh, much further in the narrative to find someone who's reminiscing uh, about Waymar coming by his place and scorning his offer of hospitality. Now, on to question 12. It's pretty clear that Waymar was underqualified to be leading a ranging alongside a more experienced man like Garrod. This begs the question, why did an apparently decent Lord Commander like Jor Mormont choose Waymar to command this mission? Later in A Game of Thrones, we do find out. So, what was Jor's reason for choosing Waymar? And question 13... Waymar sends Will up a tree as a lookout. That tree turns out to be a very convenient hiding place for Will, as he refuses help against the others, leaving Waymar in the lurch. Our question is, what type of tree is it that Will hides in? This is a mean question, I have to say. (laughs) Yeah, it is a little tricky, but we definitely talked about it in our review episode of this chapter, so... Uh, Hopefully you listen to that and you remember some of the tiny details. Uh, One of my favorite things about reading A Song of Ice and Fire, all the little details. Let's move on to question 14. Despite the horror in the chapter, there's evidence of human bravery. When the other challenges him to a duel, despite being very afraid, Waymar makes what famous retort to accept the challenge, gaining an immediate respect from Will. And this is this is the point where you know that you're not reading a series where things are black and white, I think. Especially looking back, it's uh, Waymar Takes a Journey. That I think culminates in that line a lot. And the last question, question 15. Waymar has the most fashionable attire in the prologue and a pair of fine gloves. Attention is brought to these gloves numerous times until ultimately the whited Waymar strangles Will with them. What are these fine cursed gloves made of? Yeah, we pointed this out in our review. They're definitely mentioned several times. It's almost like Chekhov's gloves uh, because they do ultimately become the murder weapon. So uh, let us know what those gloves are made of. And that was our 15th question. It's time for a brief break and then we'll be back with your answers. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Okay, and we're back. Time for some answers. And we're going to restate the questions and let you know the answers. We're going to go back over to you, Mikhail, for answer number one. Right. Okay. So, which experienced member of the Night's Watch has suffered from cold? He's lost both ears, three toes, and the little finger of his left hand. Yeah, and the answer was Garrett. Garrett is the one who has suffered from frostbite. He's trying to explain to Sir Waymar the dangers of the cold. He shows off his missing uh, parts, if you will, and tells him that one of his other brothers didn't get off so easily. He was found frozen to death at his watch. And Waymar simply shrugs and says... You ought to dress more warmly, Garrett. So, uh, Waymar not endearing himself to his fellows right from the start. And speaking of Waymar, question two had to do with his battle cry when he found this sort of impressive inner courage during his duel with the other. Whose name did he shout aloud? And the name he says is Robert. Uh, which he... he shouts for Robert as he starts attacking the other and um, it uh, does him about as much good as Robert does anyone. Oh, touche. To, uh, <laughs> to display my bias a little bit there. <laughs> uh, Bobby B, I think you've just been burned. Mikhail, obviously not a big fan of Robert. No. So the third question uh, was about the item that remained at the wildling camp when Will returned to the scene. That made him quite scared. Yeah, and the answer is the axe. Remember, it was bad enough when he saw the dead bodies lying there uh, to have this weapon kind of lying right next to them, evidently unused. And certainly if they had been killed by other wildlings... Uh, those killers would have taken that weapon with them. But then he returns, and all the bodies are gone. And yet, the axe is still there. It says, a huge double-bladed battle axe, still lying where he had last seen it, untouched, a valuable weapon. So, in addition to everything else that has been going on and building up in this chapter... Uh, this one small detail really, really gets to Will. He because he knows that any living person who had been responsible for the deaths of these people would surely have taken such a valuable weapon. So, on to question four, which had to do with the name of the forest here north of the Wall, where this prologue takes place. What is that forest called? Uh, 
And this is like quaint at this point, but the forest is called the Haunted Forest, which is so cute. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's just so simple. It's like the bad guys in the Haunted Forest. I mean, he just, uh, yeah, you can imagine George kind of just playing to his own history or influences as a writer here. Uh, this forest doesn't really need any more complex name than the haunted forest pretty much says it all yeah i love those early signs that like you know george is human and was using also some tropes that you know kind of didn't get fully fleshed out and i love the idea that like yeah at this point we just call it the haunted forest it it reminds me of mount doom (laughs) in a way where there are so many grand names in lord of the rings and then it's like mount doom so question five, this is definitely starting the tough ones. Um, who caught Will and gave him the choice to either lose his hand for poaching or go to the Night's Watch? Yeah, and this was Free Riders from House Malister. Uh, did you remember that? We didn't give you the clue that it was someone from the Riverlands. But uh, House Malister mentioned early and often. In fact, in this sentence, they're mentioned three times. Malister Freeriders had caught him red-handed in the Malister's own woods, skinning one of the Malister's own bucks. And uh, this kind of puts me in mind of that scene with Asha Greyjoy much later at Deepwood Ma, where she's... Uh, it says, you know, she's at Galbert Glover's own castle, sleeping in Galbert Glover's own bed and uh, with Galbert Glover's maester. It's all repeated over and over again in that sentence. Uh, it's an interesting device that he uses there. I'm not sure it really means anything, but uh, I noticed the similarity uh, and uh, I think it's interesting. Curious. So moving on now to question six. What color is used to describe the blade that the other uses to defeat Sir Waymar? And it's blue, guys. (laughs) Yeah, I am not sure if the blade is actually blue or if that's just a description of the light on the blade. Pale blue light. Right. But in any case, it's creepy. It is very creepy, especially the detail before that is that uh, Waymar's blade is white with frost, which is particularly freaky since they've established that it isn't that cold at this point. So question seven was uh, the question of which maester was mentioned in the Game of Thrones prologue. Please, everyone, tell us that you got Maester Aemon. You, I, I can hear people like overthinking this as, <laughs> as I'm like saying this. Yeah, could be. And uh, like I said earlier, at this point, we don't even know uh, what a maester is. But uh, this is, you know, the way George kind of builds up our knowledge of his world. Uh, we can guess that a maester has something to do with healing because he's talk. Garrett is talking about him uh, treating his frostbite. So, so yeah, Maester Eamon, guys. Hopefully that was a gimme. Question eight had to do with this conversation between the others that Will overhears and how his point of view describes the sound 
of their talking to each other. Yeah, so that is ice on a winter lake. And uh, being very generous, we'll take anything icy or lakey or similar to those kinds of sounds. Yep, we will. And uh, many, many moons ago, we did an episode all about the long night uh, in which Yoke Boy had some fantastic sort of sound work that he did kind of showing us what he imagined this language might sound like. So uh, shout out to him. And if you remember that, uh, or if good for you, if you don't, uh, check out the Long Night episode to hear what uh, ice on a winter lake might sound like. Question nine was, which prologue character rides a black destrier? And, well, I think maybe the word destrier gave it away for me. Yeah, that might have been a giveaway because the answer, of course, is Waymar Royce. And this just kind of is in keeping with the theme of how naive Waymar is and how he's just kind of clinging to his fancy and expensive equipment, the trappings of his former life as the son of a great lord, uh, in spite of it all being completely unsuitable for this mission. Uh He's out there on his great black destrier, which is a war horse, and Will thinks that it was the wrong mount for ranging, but try and tell that to the lordling. And of course, Will and Garrett are riding on their sensible garrons, which are probably a kind of uh, uh, pony or horse that's bred to be at home in this mountainous, snowy terrain. So um, they're acting like good old brothers of the night's watch and waymar is still stuck back in the veil as a lord's son and a highborn knight oh i don't want to think about that <laughs> oh poor waymar speaking of which question 10 in his duel against the other waymar fought bravely until his sword shattered from the cold of the other's blade we wanted to know about that shard of shrapnel from his sword that went flying into a part of his body. Where did that stray shard embed itself? And the answer is his left eye. Um, we will take eye also. Again, gross. <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. Uh, here is a quote. It says, Will Rose, Sir Waymar Roy stood over him. His fine clothes were a tatter, his face a ruin. A shard from his sword transfixed the blind white pupil of his left eye. The right eye was open. The pupil burned blue. It saw. And the sort of knowledge, the recognition that is insinuated by those two words, it saw, really send a chill down my spine every time I read it. Uh, because you just have to wonder uh, how much he knows. Uh, what is it that he remembers from his former life? Uh, something that we're still trying to untangle at this very early stage in the story. So question 11 um, was about which person or individual uh, had been slighted when Waymar refused to stay under his roof. Yeah, so I hinted that you might have to reach far ahead, and actually it's into A Storm of Swords to find this answer. 
And the answer is Craster. Uh, good old Craster tells Jormormont when they're out on the Great Ranging, searching for Benjen Stark, and also trying like heck to figure out what might have happened to the other people that he'd been sending out on Rangings. And Craster says, aye, those three I recall, the lordling no older than one of these pups, too proud to sleep under my roof, him and his sable cloak and black steel. My wives give him big cow eyes all the same. Garrett says they were chasing raiders. I told him, with a commander that green, best not to catch him. Garrett wasn't half bad for a crow. Had less ears than me, that one. So Craster, in case you didn't remember, has actually got one ear, uh, lost one ear to frostbite. So <laughs> I find that funny. It is funny. It, he's also just like so deeply the worst. <laughs> well, it's true. He is. Yes, he is the worst. So question 12 uh, had to do with uh, decision making. It's really clear early on that Waymar was underqualified to be the leader of this ranging. And we have to wonder why Lord Commander Jor Mormont chose Waymar Royce to lead this ranging. Well, later in A Game of Thrones, we find out. And the answer is nepotism. Or more specifically, Jor didn't want to offend Waymar's father, Bronze Yon Royce. Yeah, I mean, I found this um, really sad that the Night's Watch has fallen to this, where they're kind of pandering to these lords um, who are amongst the few that actually still support them. Obviously, you know, the king on the Iron Throne doesn't really um, give a hoot about the Night's Watch anymore. So they're really incredibly dependent on this kind of external support. Uh, So in terms of Bronze Young Royce, we can imagine that he's someone that not only sent his son, but might be sending other kinds of material aid to the Night's Watch when they are in need. It would be very important not to offend someone like that. So in this case, Jor Mormont really made a miscalculation. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> but it is a sad state that they are so, you know, it's it's not just nepotism. I guess that's maybe a... a a mean way to interpret it um, because they, like you said, they really are dependent on the goodwill of the North and, and other houses. So yeah. What are you going to do? I mean, perhaps not send the great Lord's sons out to certain death <laughs> beyond the wall. So question 13 um, was the very difficult question of what kind of tree will hidden when he tried to save his own skin, not that I blame you, kiddo, uh, and uh, avoid the others. Uh, yep, and so the answer was sentinel pine, and this is a tree that is mentioned numerous times in this chapter, but it also seems to be sort of omnipresent in Westeros, especially in the north. It appears to be a very tall, thin uh evergreen tree of some sort. Uh, And we actually did talk about this in our episode about the prologue. It's a part of George's world building where he takes things from the real world and kind of in his own words, he turns the volume up to 11. So Sentinel Pine is actually a real tree in our world. It's something 
kind of similar to a scotch pine, which tends to be kind of a shorter, fatter tree. Uh, certainly nothing like what I imagine the sentinel pines of Westeros to be, which is these, again, tall, thin trees. So uh, just an interesting thing that he does, I think, is uh, taking real things and making them his own. And as a writer, how could you resist the word sentinel pine, especially in the chapter where you're introducing the Night's Watch? Yeah, it's kind of easy to imagine George just finding the name of a tree and thinking, yeah, that that is exactly what I need. Uh, sentinel pine it goes along with these watchers um, that he's introducing to us. So uh, question 14 was about the evidence of human bravery despite all the horror we see in this chapter. We all know the only time a man can be brave is when he's afraid. When the other challenges Waymar to a duel, he makes what famous retort accepting the challenge, gaining a lot of respect from Will, who's watching from that sentinel pine. And what he said, and I can imagine George in 1991 just like fist pumping as he wrote this, dance with me then. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, you have Will kind of observing this, and he hasn't really thought very much about Waymar, or very much of Waymar, uh, up until this point. But when he sees this response and his readiness to meet this foe, Will thinks he was a boy no longer, but a man of the Night's Watch. For about five minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was a brief arc, but it is uh, one of the things that makes this chapter so wonderful, almost functioning as a standalone short story. Uh, you got Waymar going from zero to hero in 10 pages. So maybe that's George um, playing to his history as a writer of great short stories. And the last question is, what material are Weimar's very fancy, very desirable, very deadly gloves made out of? Yeah, and they are made out of moleskin. And the final line of the chapter uh, has to do with those... Uh, undead fingers tightening around Will's throat, and it says they were gloved in the finest moleskin and sticky with blood, yet the touch was icy cold. So, like we said, they had been uh, mentioned several times previously in the chapter, uh, kind of like, I don't know, Chekhov's murder weapon. They're, they're right there for us to see in the beginning, and uh, there they are at the end doing something unspeakable and, dare we say, creepy. Uh, the moleskin is Benjamin. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. The mystery of who or where Benjamin is finally solved. <laughs> and, of course, the moleskin gloves, like we said, the end of the chapter. They are also the end of our quiz. So thank you so much for joining us and do let us know how you did on this quiz, wherever you find us on social media or out there, however you usually send us your messages. We want to know. 
And now thank you as well to Mikael, our guest host, for joining us. Uh, this was great. Uh, we really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and why don't you tell everyone where they can find you and what you're up to these days. I know that you have your fingers in a lot of pies. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, the pies are podcasts mostly, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can find me, you know, as we said at the beginning on Twitter at Ink as Rain. Um, I podcast about um, A Song of Ice and Fire and Game of Thrones and general topics at the Vassals of Kingsgrave podcast. I also podcast about Marvel with the Level 7 Access podcast, and I podcast about the intersection of nerd culture and Jewish life and feminism at the Nice Jewish Fangirls podcast, which I like to think of as the most niche podcast in the world. Yeah, and to think there was a time when we all thought that A Song of Ice and Fire was incredibly niche. (laughs) And you are incredibly busy with podcasting, it sounds like. Yes, it's it's almost like I enjoy this ridiculous form. Well, so do we. And uh, we're very grateful again to you for being here. And also all you listeners, thanks for joining us. Uh, find us at RadioWesteros.com. Check out our Patreon at Patreon.com slash RadioWesteros. And look for another regular episode from us very soon. We hope you enjoyed this quiz. Bye for now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 